Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of God's redeeming love. Here I raise my Nebuchadnezzar, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. How great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and see. Thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, on display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sins. You are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. You are true, you are true, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. 
go we are off to pick up John Roberts from his house which is Blue Waters Community House and he is kind of the founding member of the community houses at Blue Water so we're gonna go talk to him about that 
process over the years and what it's like to live in community. Why don't you wave to Uncle? Hi. Yeah. Hello. Oh, what's up? Not much. Oh, oh bananas. You got me some apple bananas. I didn't yeah. bring you anything. That's all right. It's but a, you brought It's a stuff. gift from our house. Oh, is this from the banana tree? Yeah. yeah. So not only do you run a community house, but you grow produce. Yeah, on the side. Nice. How were you influenced as a younger person, or as a kid, to live this way or have this attitude of like, I want my life to be different. I want my life to be robust. I want my life to have purpose. Yeah, I was always terrified of a life that wouldn't count. I remember. Really? Yeah. Being when you like, were a kid? Yeah, being like Interesting. 10. And my idea of like, hell would be setting the sleep timer. Remember the sleep timer on TVs? Yeah. yeah. That was the coolest invention. Just setting a sleep timer each night and falling asleep while watching the TV. And that would be just my whole adulthood. That somehow this life that had been given to you would just sort of slip away with no consequence. Yeah, like my life wouldn't count. That's really fascinating. So you start providing at some point, uh, not only are you young Christians living together, but you're providing housing for homeless folks, people who have drug addiction, yeah, alcoholism, and um, how, how does that start? Yeah, I think like everything, right, it started with relationship. So pretty soon, you know, we have a friend who's on the street who needs help. And she would tell us these horrible stories of people kind of attacking her in the night. She was this sweet old woman, probably in her 60s. Before I could really check with my roommates or like think through it, uh, one of the times when she was sharing with us, I said, you know, Auntie, when you ever want, you know, a shower and to come, you know, we got a couch, you know, mm -hmm. feel free to come for a night or more. And she eventually came in and uh, it was really beautiful to see how she, you know, kind of responded to that. When we were most radical in the house, you know, we had this very uh, open rule, which was anybody could invite anyone to come home at any time and wow. stay the night. I think the most we ever had was about 21 people. 21 which, people? Which evidently is like totally illegal, right? <laughs> what were like moments of joy that you took out of the combination of all these different needs that people had? I would say the most joy was always in those stories of um, kind of lives changed, right? Yeah. You know, like the person who says like, you know, uh, I've never been sober this long, right? I would say the hardest moment is when you have to uh, ask somebody to leave, right? And this happened with one person, you know, it's like you, you can't keep doing drugs and live here. Right, and you gotta keep other people safe. There were times I felt like I had done the wrong thing and was praying really hard. And then come to find out months later, you know, it was kind of adopted by this totally different group of believers taking care of. And that was a great testament to me. It's like, it's not just the power of your community and your house, but like the whole community. Yeah. At large. That's really cool. So when, when you talk about uh, living in community and, and being this founding member of the Blue Water Community Houses. Why? What? Why do that? And what, is, what does living in community mean to you? The fruit 
of trying to help somebody mm. is that you actually get to restored to the person that God's created you to be. You know, like, mm. of course, I hope to help others, right? Of course, I hope to bring, uh, you know, support, shelter, um, practical needs, meet them, needs of family, community, love, what, whatnot, right? But the real beauty is how, you know, kind of, I, I've changed, right? Like, I feel like I'm more, uh, more of the person I was supposed to be, as opposed to the person I could have chosen to be. You know, there were times that were hectic and, and crazy, and I felt like I didn't have as much control, and yet I was terribly happy, right? And that's the, that's the biggest irony of all. You miss it. Yeah, yeah, I do. You miss the radical days. I do, yeah. You have a wife. You have a beautiful daughter. Mm -hmm. You have another one on your way. Mm -hmm. What uh, What's next for John and community living? We're a, a family. You know, we have our highly functioning roommates. You know, we're not taking a person off the street tonight. Most likely, right? <laughs> so it's still community, just looks different. And it's been interesting because I didn't know how our daughter would respond to it. Mm. She's enraptured by it, right? This and is she's like, how old now? She's two and a half. She's two and a half years old. Almost. And yeah. she loves it. Loves it. She's figured out how to open the gate to go downstairs, right? The childproof gate. Right. And she just will disappear, you know? She's just downstairs talking to Auntie Mindy or... <laughs> checking on Uncle Elton, you know, she's, we were constantly just going up and down the stairs and now trying to figure out how to padlock the gate. So I'm not sure exactly where it leads, but mm -hmm. I also love that, you know, we've, we've kind of made a stand. We're going to raise, you know, until God tells us otherwise, raise our children in community. You know, I could think of ways that we could live um, more radically, you know, even in a family structure, right? There are people that, you know, are young people on the street right now that, you know, if we had a relationship with, who knows? So we'll see what, where the Lord leads. Hello, I'm John Roberts, and I've been a part of Blue Water Mission since back in the days of nightlife. Since about 2007, I've lived in an intentional community house, and I've lived with hundreds and hundreds of different people, all different walks of life. Um, we live now in what we call K2, which stood for Kalihi House 2. Now, technically, there's no longer Kalihi House 1, but we're keeping the name. And over the years, I've lived with people, all kinds of people, you know, successful professionals, uh, people who were homeless or had been homeless, uh, sojourners who were just kind of passing through Honolulu, single parents. Gosh, I have to say to all of you single parents out there, like, God bless you being now a parent, hardest job. And I can't imagine being a single parent. Um, in fact, my just a little aside. Uh, my mom like raised us, you know, she was a 
amazing single mother of four children. My father passed away when I was six weeks old, but that's a story for another time. I've lived with individuals rescued from both labor trafficking and sex trafficking. Uh, I've lived with people who are so richly in love with Jesus, I found it like personally motivating, and people who profess no faith at all. I've lived with the antisocial. In fact, one lady who set up a hammock in the yard, and she was like, I'm going to live here. You know, this is, this is kind of my place. And nobody totally blamed her for wanting to live outside in a hammock. Uh, we, I've also lived with kind of the over-social, you know, those people that they just are always talking sometimes. You know, that can also be me. Uh, there's been lots of life and lots of adventure. Um, over the years, I've also lived through all different points of kind of my life, right? My 20s, my 30s, now into my 40s. I've been single in community. I've been engaged in community. I've been single again in community. I've been engaged again. We don't need to go through all of that. I've been a newlywed living in community. That was a, a interesting, right? Interesting season. Obviously, currently married and in community, raising children, and even now we're expecting our second child while in community. And all the different spiritual seasons of life, right? Like times where I feel just like, ah, oh, alive in faith, and times where I feel quite weak. Um, the myriad of all the seasons, all the days, all the moments, while also walking in community. So, one thing I should tell you about is about my wonderful wife, Anna, and amazing daughter, Kate. Uh, they've been incredible and are a huge part of my life and obviously of the house. Um, I also have the best roommates and ministry partners, and living a community has been a huge blessing to my life, uh, a huge strength to my life and also to the life of my family. Um, I really wasn't sure what life was going to be like for my daughter and living in community. I wasn't sure if she'd get kind of nervous. I wasn't sure about all of that. And it's been incredible to watch her as she just loves the people in our house. In fact, I think she might at times prefer them at times over her parents. And there's nothing more beautiful maybe in the world. Of course, like seeing my wife's face light up when she's interacting with Kate, I love. You know, my face, feeling that in my own heart and in my own soul as I light up. But there's something very precious and maybe closer to the heart of God to see my roommates' faces light up as they interact with Kate. That has been a great, beautiful and grounding thing for me. It makes me emotional. The other day I was tucking in Kate and we have this tradition, right? I either say, who do you love? And of course, I want her to say dad first, right? Or I say, who do I love, Kate? And I want for her to obviously say Kate. And she responded correctly. She responded Kate. And then I said, who else do I love? And she said, mom. And I was right. Then I said, who else do I love? And I was thinking God, right? We're trying to instill in her love of God. Or grandma. We talk a lot about grandma. And we meet with grandma. And she said, Auntie Mindy. For those who don't know, Auntie Mindy's right here in the room, and she also is one of our lovely house members um, and one of the co-leaders of our community house. And I was kind of taken aback. I mean, of course, I love Mindy, you know, but uh, it wasn't what I expected next. And so I, I said, oh, of course, you know, and, and uh, she 
what was interesting to me was how easy that was for her to go to. That for Kate, there isn't some like boundaries around love. And I guess I was kind of convicted on it, like looking back, you know? That I realized something maybe I don't fully like about myself, which maybe was this idea that maybe I have to like create hierarchies, you know? Maybe sometimes we feel like there's levels of love or there's appropriateness. Like we maybe have a list in our head um, and yet I loved that Kate reminded me that, you know, maybe that's not really where we should be. Maybe at our most pure love, we don't have the idea of loving maybe our family first, but our family, we actually consider to be all the people around us. Today we're continuing our sermon series on the everyday Bible. And so today we're going to be talking about community. So how do you feel personally about Christian community? What do you think of when you hear that word? How do you feel about communal living? One thing that probably some of us feel out there um, is loneliness. In fact, before COVID hit, there was something that many people had coined the loneliness pandemic. And that three out of five Americans said that they felt lonely, that they missed connections with other people, or they felt like they didn't have a community or even a friend group. Now we're in the middle of COVID, right? Which has been terribly hard, right? We have social distancing. Some of us are having to work at home. Some of us have also lost our jobs. We're isolated and some of us might have community that's through the internet, which also feels a lot different. So uh, today we'll be looking at some of the ways that the Bible talks about community. There are two main passages we'll be looking at, one in, in Acts 2 and the other in Acts 4. And a quick little historical note on both of these passages. Acts 2 comes right after the amazing transformational moment when the Holy Spirit fills the first group of people and they're gathered in. And as they get filled, other people are also filled with the Holy Spirit and their numbers grow. Acts 4 is also another incredibly powerful moment, but this is the model, such as we have it, of what the first church would have looked like, and it still applies to us today. Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe by the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And then a little while later, you know, two chapters away, we see in Acts 4, another account of uh, the early believers. Acts 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So when we look at 
Acts 2 and Acts 4, and really the whole book of Acts for that matter, we really see that this story is the start of the church, but it wasn't just for that time, right? It wasn't just for the people way back in the day. This is for us now. And it's not just for us who live in intentional community. You know, of course this has to be a part of us who live in intentional community, but it's for us all. It's for the church today. It's our DNA and it's our epic call. Acts 2 is right after Pentecost, which is the fancy way for saying the Holy Spirit comes and the Spirit first arrived. And Acts 4 is right after the first persecution of the church, right? The leaders are thrown in jail and they, they don't know what to do, the other people, and they gather together and they pray and they ask for boldness. And then it's basically Pentecost number two happens. You know, the room shakes, they're filled with the Holy Spirit again. And then we see this radical generosity where the spirit of God is, there is always unity and out of that flows community and fellowship and generosity. And uh, that's what we see in both of these stories. What really bugs me about it as I look at these passages, I wonder, like, I'm really inspired by the idea of sharing everything. You know, I kind of love it, but then I'm like, it's kind of nice to have a car, you know, like, how do you handle that, right? Um, I'm not really ready to like have my bank account available to everyone else's bank account um, in my community. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that and not be a cult or communism, right? Let's be honest, right? I think one of the things that makes the Christian community different than a cult or communism is that it's optional, right? People were, had the choice to either bring their land uh, their possessions or to not. It makes it sound like everybody does it, which is also like a big question for me. Um, but, you know, I think if we thought of our church today, there'd be some things that we'd be like, hmm, I'm comfortable sharing that. You know, Quack needs that. I'm, I'm ready to help with that. And some of us might not feel as comfortable, you know, and it might also depend on what it is, right? And who also is asking. But what we see, also I think we're rugged individualist and we believe in rugged individualism as Americans don't we right we just we like that idea of you know our autonomy what's ours working hard providing for our family we take pride in that and so do I and um, it's kind of scary to think of releasing one's control right releasing one's control to the bigger group and also not only your belongings but also your finances so what I do see when I look at the Acts 2 uh, church is that they're really the idea of the first welfare. You know, today, if you need something, we have government assistance, right? We have people, we have forms you fill out and things you do. But it says that the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And it seems like kind of part of being a part of the Christian community was that you shared what you had. You know, they had... They shared all their possessions and there were no needy persons among them. So if you're somebody who has a lot of debt, boy, that felt great to join the Christian community, right? I'm sure they were lining up like, I need help. I have no bread. But imagine being a millionaire, right? Imagine being somebody who had a lot. There's a different kind of a sacrifice and a different kind of, you know, I think there's a, obviously a clear sacrifice to that. And, you know, to be fair, I think there's a clear sacrifice to also accepting help, right? There's a clear vulnerability to that. 
I don't know about you, but I'd rather not have all my finances shared, right? I'd rather, that feels vulnerable, it feels maybe a little inappropriate, right? I have a family, part of my job is to take care of my family, you know, part of my job is to do that. But um, I'm not really sure, you know, exactly how, you know, what the Lord may speak to you about finances and what the more Lord may speak to you about generosity. But whenever I find these teachings of Jesus that cause friction, right? And it's really not a teaching of Jesus if it doesn't cause us to trouble. And it's probably not something that we're just supposed to say, oh, well, that was for them. You know, that's not for me. Um, one thing that I like to do is I like to ask myself, what do I need to believe about God's character that I could trust this? Or what do I not currently believe that I need to possibly trust or rely upon? And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly, but I know that we are most free and unencumbered in life. At least I've been most free and unencumbered when I've rested in the idea that God has my back, right? That it's not my finances or my stuff that I rely upon, but it's God in the world and in me. Another thing that bugs me a little bit is this idea, we hear this idea of devotion. And I think today we think of, I don't need to be devoted to anything. You know, we, we're, I think we're a little, we're not people who like to, the idea of really, we want to be committed to our relationships as far as our spouses. But other than that, I think we maybe draw some lines. And um, we see that the they were devoted, the early disciples were devoted to the apostles' teachings, right? They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, and they were devoted to prayer. And I want to challenge us. I feel the challenge, like, as I think about it, what are some things that I'm committed to? You know, what are the things that I show up regardless? And, you know, one of the things for probably a lot of us is our work, right? We, we just kind of show up and we make it happen. Um, we have clear choices in life. And so what else are you devoted to? What else, regardless of how you feel, do you show up for? Personally, I apply the radical teaching on community through choosing to live in community. But, you know, we don't all have a shared bank account, you know. Um, one of the ways that I've tried to be devoted is to always live with others. However, there ha was a season where God dropped in our laps this beautiful Manoa mansion. We were able to rent it for about as much as we would have rented a one bedroom apartment. And it was the Manoa dream house. You know, it was beautiful to see how the Lord lavished that upon us. And that was right when our daughter Kate was being born. And you know, that was probably nice for our housemates because you know, maybe they didn't also want to live with a crying child and that's a transition for them too. And what we found, what was so interesting, is that after a while, Anna and I were telling each other, we kind of miss community living. You know, it was like, this is great. Like, there's nothing about this life that we wouldn't have chosen if we could look at it from outside. And yet it wasn't fully fulfilling. We would say things like, where are our friends? Or, I wonder what's happening at the house. Or, I think our lives are meant for something more. 
And even though it was, you know, a house that we were in, we of course ended up, there were people who stayed the night, right? There were people who we kind of still gathered because that's just part of who we are. But the lesson was nice to have that even though we had our own space and that felt more manageable and we had full command of a home, there was something that wasn't quite as life-giving, you know? There was something that was still missing. Um, we missed that piece of communal living, of life together. I also love these passages in Acts because they, we, they give us a, kind of a roadmap of what we might do. First, seek the Holy Spirit, right? Everything in life flows from your relationship with God. If you're listening today and you're going, I can't do any of that, first of all, totally reasonable. And just so you know, I'm with you on any given day. <laughs> and I've been with you in the past on any given day. Uh, everything in life flows from our relationship with God, so that's where it starts, right? The whole point of everything we do is have relationship with God. So let that be your foundation. And that was what they did. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They sought the Lord, they prayed, and boom, other things then came from that. Uh, I encourage you to practice devotion. Right? Are you a person of devotion? Right? What things, if you feel like you have no space for devoting things in life, what things might you cut out that, you know, maybe are false devotions, things that take up your time? You know, we found this when we were in Manoa in our dream house mansion that we were like, we wanted to be devoted to something more than just our little, uh, our little community there, our little family community. Uh, I think the third point is gather in the right way. You know, the, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They, they met together. They shared meals. Uh, let me say it this way. Maybe what also what activities do you turn to that you could, you know, similar to devotion, what things are keeping you from gathering? You know, do you spend more time? Like my phone tells me how much time I spend on it. I find that helpful and very convicting. You know, do you spend more time on Candy Crush in any given week than you do, you know, with friends or reaching out to people um, or gathering or showing up for small group? The fourth point is sacrifice. You know, only you can decide what sacrifice the Lord is calling you to. And isn't that beautiful? In God's community, we still have autonomy, right? We still decide in what way we are going to sacrifice. What thing are you going to maybe lay down at the feet of somebody who needs it? Lay down for the church. Um, I love that there were no needy persons among them, and they shared everything in common. That's a hugely high bar and one that, hey, maybe the Lord's speaking to you about already and you feel like that burning and you're like, yeah, I'm supposed to make this great, grandiose thing, but maybe not, you know, maybe it's just something small and maybe you're not sure what it is at this moment, but I would encourage you to contemplate what sacrifices you might bring. Um, one story I love from years of community living, I had two housemates that I just loved. They were just spunky and kind of off the wall. And when they would find something in the house, they would go, is this yours? And the person would say, not mine. And then they would say, it's not mine either. Guess it must be ours. So they had this phrase, not mine, not yours. Guess it's ours. 
And, you know, we see this with this idea of sacrifice. Maybe that's going to be a sacrifice. Just the idea of being a little bit more open to share what you have in your abundance. There's a ton of research, tons of how much generosity is actually helpful for us. Like it helps you live longer. It's good for your mental health, your emotional health. You can read that on your own. But before that was ever a part of, before there was any idea of psychology or research, uh, Christians were doing it. I'm challenged by Saint Basil. Okay, I like to say Basil, but I looked it up and they did say Basil. So uh, Saint Basil was just kind of this crazy saint and really radical and cared for the poor and really started what we kind of one of the first fathers in like the 300s of the what we have as the Christian monastic movement. But he said, when someone steals a person's clothes, we call him a thief. Should we not give the same name to the one who could clothe the naked and does not? The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry. The coat hanging unused in your closet belongs to those in need. The shoe rotting in your closet to the one who has no shoes. The money which you hoard up belongs to the poor. Now, I find it convicting. That's why I'm emotional, because I don't live that way. Just to be clear, you know, we just purged our house of some things. And, you know, that's part of preparing for a child, right? It's like, let's get things in order. And we have so much stuff. And there are shoes I have that, like, I don't even know where I got them, you know? So, I love those words by St. Basil. Challenge for you is to try something today. Choose something to do, all right? So, maybe you're going to pursue God. Maybe that's through a prayer time, right? I'm going to just every day pray. Maybe a morning devotion. You may be going to attend the next Holy Spirit retreat. <clears throat> you could read through your Bible. Commit to that. There are more programs than we've ever had to find ways that you will be comfortable finding a time to spend with God. But pursue the Lord. Do something. Or devote yourself, right? Attend an Ohana group. Hey, it's hard. We're on Zoom. It kind of sucks. But go to it. Join the homeless outreach, right? Volunteer with the youth. Heck, visit a neighbor, you know? Uh, volunteer somewhere, but do something. Gather, right? You could also gather. That's another option. Meet your neighbors. Do you know them? You know, have you reached out to them? Have a family dinner once a week. No phones, no TV on. Host a lunch, I don't know, once a month at your work. Uh, write notes of support for somebody in need. Maybe you're not currently working and you just want to write, you know, past people who have been big in your life. In some way, gather. Uh, do something. Or maybe God's speaking to you about sacrifice right? Buy something just to bless somebody. Give away, you know, talk to God about that. What might he have you do? For some of us, maybe it's you haven't tithed, you know, maybe it's your 10% tithe. And you go, yeah, that's a way I can sacrifice. That's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. For others, maybe it's something bigger. I don't know. Maybe the Lord's going to speak to you like these crazy first Christians, and it's going to be something bigger you're going to lay down and sacrifice but do something you know either pursue god 
devote yourself in some way, gather in some way, or sacrifice in some way. But overall, it's all about love. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give all my, over my body to hardships that I can boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Mother Teresa, you know, the saint who lived with the poorest of poor in the poorest place, as they were dying, she would take people off the street in Calcutta. She said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. But I'm also, I'm also mindful of the words of baby Kate. You know, the little young little prophetess, that little two-year-old. She said, you love Mindy. And she didn't stop there, guys, right? This is our routine. She hasn't stopped. She, it has gone on and on, the people that I love. Each evening, it's somebody new. It's the auntie from the Ohana group that she hardly knows that she just sees for about 10 minutes once a week through Zoom. She's mentioned her not-so-nice cousin. She's even, heck, even Eeyore has made the list. There is enough love in us to go all the way around. It can reach through the internet, can find the people that need it most, and it can start today in each of our homes. We just have to choose it. When the part of us that is made for relationship with God is released and empowered to find love and generosity, that becomes the foundation of all community. Our calling as God's church and God's community is this. Seek God, live devoted lives, gather and give away. And no matter what, let us always, always make it about love. Thank you. Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us for our online service. You know, Easter weekend is just two weeks away. Yeah, and April 2nd is Good Friday. This service will be online for Ohana groups, families, and communities to watch together if you guys choose. Lila, I have exciting news. We're thrilled to share with you that our Sunday services will begin meeting again in person at Palama beginning Easter morning on April 4th at 9 a.m. This is huge, so we're gonna see everybody back together again. We are currently working to stream the services live for folks who need to remain apart. Yeah, and in the coming weeks, mm -hmm. you're gonna hear more about this and how Rolo and Connor are working hard on their plans for Keiki and Youth Ministry to also meet in person. Mm -hmm. They are working on a safe and engaging format for our kids and youth. Mm -hmm. Now let's transition to our tithes and offerings. If you feel like Blue Water is your home church or you've been blessed by Blue Water and just how it ministers to you, feel free to give on our, uh, on our website, on our give page. There's four different ways of doing it. You can mail it in, you can um, do it through a credit card online, you can text it, and you can also send it through PayPal. Awesome. And if you're in need of prayer today, please reach out to our prayer team. Our prayer line is waiting to pray for you. Please just email Julie at BlueWaterMission.org and she will reach back out to you and get you set up with a prayer team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, next week on our Everyday Bible Series, we get to hear from Gabby Kovea. Right. We are super yeah. excited to hear yeah. from her. 
So we just want to bless you in this next week. Mm -hmm. I'm going to close in prayer and just speak a blessing over you. Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for who you are in our lives, for the fact that we can count on you, we can practice your presence, we can press into you, we can experience victory in every day through you. And so Lord, we just pray a blessing over our family and our community and for every single person uh, joining us online. Mm. We pray that every breakthrough that's needed, that you would meet them right in their need. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen.